Hello, and welcome to Big Sound Small Town. I'm your host, Sandy Carlton. The small towns and communities of Cleveland County, North Carolina have long been a hotbed of music in all its many forms. Several Cleveland County musicians have found commercial success and critical acclaim in the music industry. Yeah, everybody knows that Earl Scruggs, Don Gibson, Patty Loveless, and Alicia Bridges are from Cleveland County. Donald Byrd, too. So this is not a podcast about them. This is a podcast about the musicians who are still here and keep music alive here. This is the stories, and you need to know them and know the people who are making the music. This is not, this is not your normal podcast. That was the Derek McCoy trio doing a blistering version of Herbie Hancock's Chameleon. Today on Big Sound Small Town, we're in Got Books Bookstore on South Lafayette Street in Shelby, North Carolina. Guitar virtuoso Derek McCoy. Welcome to the show, Derek. Hey, Sandy. Thanks for having me. All right. Looks like things are going good here. I know it's a long drive down here. Where, where did you have to come here from? Uh, from Hendersonville. Ah, okay. Yeah, that is. I appreciate you coming down here and do this. A um, little background. Uh, I've seen Derek play in everything from uh, a country sitting to an extreme jazz sitting, and he plays it all fabulously. So we're going to find out how he got to that point. So where did it start for you? Um, well... I'm 40 years old, and I started playing when I was 11 years old. And uh, I, my dad had some records, a little handful of records that I had. I had uh, Sgt. Pepper's. Yes, good record. I had uh, Blow by Blow by Jeff Beck. Yeah, that's an excellent record. Uh, Hotel California. Yeah. And I had Eliminator by ZZ Top. Yeah. Uh, and I think Jimi Hendrix, Smash Hits. And, and uh, what initially, I just thought it was cool to uh, put records on a record player and do and it makes sound and I right. thought that was interesting you know well did you learn with the drop needle no thing? no I did not know okay that was that that came later really uh, 
I never learned how to play any of that music when I was a kid. Oh, that's but funny. My dad had a, a Hondo acoustic I found in his closet. Yeah. And um, I started beating on that and never got anywhere with it or anything. And um, ways after that, I, my mom bought me a guitar from Sears. It was a Gibson Explorer copy yeah. made by Sin Sonics. Oh, yeah. yeah and I remember it, it those. had a built in speaker, which was kind of cool. And uh, I uh, just never, I mean, I never got very far with that either. I just kind of made racking on it and uh, eventually took all the strings off of it. And I would listen to heavy metal music and stand in front of the mirror and pretend like I was playing. <laughs> yes. That's good. And uh, after that, though, she, she bought me a, a PVT-15, and that was my first real guitar. And I started uh, learning some tunes. Like I learned... Uh, I guess Nirvana and Pearl Jam, people like that were getting kind of big. Right. And I learned a lot of their stuff. I learned how to read tablature out yeah. of magazines. Wait, and wait, wait. You got here just by learning to read tablature? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, for a minute, you know, yeah. for a while. And, and like, I I, uh, I did tablature, and, the, and um, I learned some of that kind of stuff. Like, Nirvana was a big deal to me, and Soundgarden I liked yeah. a lot. And uh, but I also liked Cream a lot, you know, mm -hmm. and I liked Hendrix and everything. Um, I did a talent show in eighth grade, and we did "Sunshine of Your Love," yeah. and we did uh, some Pearl Jam song that yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, did that hook you then to be in a band or a musician? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that's a really important thing uh, for me has been playing with other people yeah. from a really as soon as I could find anybody else that could do it with me, I started doing that. And I think that's a big. That is a big. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I mean, you can play by yourself, but playing with with others is that's that's really what music's about. That's what makes it happen. It yeah. really does. Yeah, yeah. and um, yeah, and then I, I uh, got into punk rock after that, and kind of completely got off the whole gu gu guitar uh, hero kind of thing for for years. Really, like I, I've gotten this metal band named Serenity. Uh, with a fellow named Eric Sparks, uh, who that's not his name anymore, but I, I forgot. <laughs> but but um, some guys around here, and we played like we played Jeremiah's once yeah. when that was around. We oh, yeah. opened up for Anti Scene, which oh, is like yeah. a pretty big punk band. Yeah, I, I know who they are. And um, we uh, eventually that band kind of split. But three of us hung out. Me and a guy named Bobby Hoyle and a guy named Butch Roberts. We we had a trio, and I started singing a little bit back. I used to sing back then. <laughs> And playing punk rock and stuff, and then um, got into improvisational music a little bit. And when Government Mule was coming around, oh, yeah. you know, we were digging on them a lot. And uh, uh, Derek Trucks, Jimmy Herring, guys like that. Fabulous. Mm -hmm. And we we started mixing in a lot of jamming. Um, I don't know how good we were at it, but we did a lot of it, you know. And all this metal and punk and jam band kind of stuff kind of mix, started getting mixed up and. Uh, I mean, that's all the way, you know, I was 18 by then, you oh, know, yeah. uh, and we did a lot of gigs and a lot of rehearsing, you know, yeah. uh, in between getting in trouble, you know, oh, all yeah, the time. I do understand about that. That's part, that's part of the band life. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, There's a significant amount of that. I mean, <laughs> someone who tells me they've played in bands a lot and they've never eaten at a Waffle House. Yeah. Didn't play much of a band. <laughs> right. You know? And yeah. that's the good, that's the best thing you can say. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess uh, later on, I 
Well, I started working at the country, Cleveland Country Club for three years, and I was going to be a chef and almost kind of had a different career path. But I uh, just figured that wasn't for me. The guy, I wasn't able to go much further musically around here, I guess, uh, with the guys I knew anyway at the time. And so I moved to, I decided to go to music school because I heard Jimmy Herring taught at Atlanta Institute of Music. <laughs> And I wanted to study yeah, with him. I could understand that. Um, it wound up that he wasn't teaching there anymore. But um, I went to Atlanta and auditioned to go to the Atlanta Institute of Music and got in there, um, which is like a one-year school. Um, or it used to be. I don't. It's changed quite a bit since then. But uh, it's like a one-year, like accreditation-type school. Um, and that's when I started, like, getting... Is that when you broadened that horizon? Yeah. I mean, it's 10 years into me playing... Um, at this point, and uh, I uh, started getting into jazz a lot. I, I, I bought a Love Supreme, uh, a yeah. John Coltrane record, yeah. and uh, got kind of blue. Maybe the finest yeah. jazz album ever. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, and because uh, what it really, I got into all that stuff. Everything that I've gotten into is from. Uh, I mean, used to, before the internet, I mean, you just got magazines and right. you'd read interviews with people and I'd read that, you know, James Hetfield from Metallica, they were into Black Sabbath. So I got real into Black Sabbath. And then I think that's actually what more brought about the improvisation thing is Black Sabbath's first record where they did a lot of jamming and right. stuff. Yeah, they did. Um, but then I'd read interviews with Tony Iommi and the Black Sabbath guys to find out who were they who they were into and so on and so forth. Or Eric Clapton, you know, you read about how he liked Robert Johnson, you know, or... Right. Or, uh, and that's the way that I broadened everything out with music, you know, because right. all these guys love somebody and no, you just they do. figure yeah, it out, you know. Um, but, uh, but that's where uh, I started like learning how to actually practice and stuff. Uh, instead of just sort of playing, I started learning how to practice. It's obvious in your playing. I mean, someplace you watershed hard because yeah. uh, there's a multitude of scales runs through your stuff everywhere. I mean, yeah, well, that's where I started doing it. Like, I learned, uh, I didn't really didn't know what I was doing before then. I, I played more with uh, sort of just shapes on a guitar or whatever. And um, when I got there, the school was five, six hours a day, five days a week. So it was like a really intense. And uh, you also had to clock in and practice so many hours a day. You okay. had to like have, basically, it's like a 10 hour a day thing almost with practice and going to school. And, uh, did they decide what you would practice? I mean, lay it out? Not you? really. I mean, if you wanted to have good grades and everything, you know, you had to practice all the material, you right. know, uh, which a lot of it was just conceptual, like right. theory and uh, scales class. And uh, I mean, it was, you know, var various things. And um, but I did develop a real pretty hard work ethic musically anyway <laughs> at that time. And I started practicing about seven, eight hours a day. And um, I did that for three years uh, where I, like the year I, after I graduated, I started being a substitute teacher there, but I also worked in the library there, oh, okay. which was just getting VHS tapes for people oh, okay. of instructional material. Right, yeah. So and I, I guess you had access to all that. Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. And also I just sat there and practiced and they just let me. And I had a little cassette recorder and I would record myself comping chords yeah. And I would play over the chords, and I had a whole big system of how I uh, started learning how to improvise and everything. And then I learned how to transcribe and started learning solos by uh, 
all my heroes, and I'd write them down in notation, you know, like I learned how to read music and stuff, which uh, if there's any musicians listening, learn how to read music early if you ever want to. <laughs> I, I totally agree with that. Yeah, because yeah, it's, it's no fun. No, it's when you can already kind of play, it sucks having to learn how to read music, and you're reading like <laughs> Mary Had a Little Lamb when you can actually play gigs. When you can play, when you can play um, Stevie Ray Vaughan's Mary Had a Little Lamb. Right. <laughs> yeah, but you have to learn the real Mary to, Had yeah, a Little Lamb. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Were you playing during this time in a band? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, for a couple of years, I didn't. All I did was woodshed yeah. and practice and practice and practice and, and jam with people. But uh, my plan was really mechanical and stuff. Like, I, I didn't really have a lot of soul at that time just because I was coming from uh, not. I mean, I'm just trying to get all this new stuff under my right. fingers. Right. Um, so I was really obsessed with speed and, like, how to play fast and alternate picking and, like, picking every note really fast. I'm not any good at that, picking stuff necessarily like I was then. But um, I uh, – and then, yeah, I got some gig, like, playing an open mic for a jazz thing, and uh, I was horrible at it. I didn't know how to play jazz, you know, at all. But uh, – Thankfully, like uh, this guy named Steve Wright used to come in there, and he was a really good musician, and just wiped the floor with me. Just, I mean, just made me feel like I was nothing, you know. <laughs> and that inspired me though to uh, to practice hard, you know. And uh, I've always tried to play with musicians that were better than me. That's the way. Um, and uh, after that, I started doing some little jazz gigs, uh, and then the first big thing I did uh, for me, like musically, anyway. It's playing in a funk band. Like I played in a, a 12-piece funk band with a big five-piece horn section and stuff. And we played on the road all the time. And uh, uh, Maceo Parker, yeah. saxophone player, his roommate from college was the guy that owned the band. That would be James Brown, Maceo Parker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when he yells, Maceo. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And he, uh, we got to meet him. He took us out for breakfast one time. That was pretty cool. Um, and that's where I learned how to play funk music and uh, R&B and stuff, uh, the drummer would, like, really vibe, give you a bad vibe, you know, if you weren't killing it, you know. And uh, you had to really kind of earn... Things were different, I think, back then as far as people weren't... Uh, people weren't so sensitive of your feelings and stuff. Yeah, they didn't yeah. really care. They just wanted you to play well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's a good way to put yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And, and if you didn't, they would tell you. Yes, and they didn't the, care if it hurt your feelings. Yes, I've been in those bands <laughs> And um, so that was a big deal, you know, and I learned how to, how to play, you know, uh, play parts in that band, how to play less, you know, and just play your little thing right. and do it really well. Um, and I started playing in jazz trios when I was in Atlanta. I got to play all the great cats around Atlanta, of, of which there are a lot. I'm sure there yeah. is, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of amazing musicians there. And uh, I did that. I was there for 17 years. So oh yeah, well that's... played wedding bands and played jazz gigs and taught lessons and uh, got into trouble there too. Oh, yeah, well, quite a yeah, bit. Yeah, that's part of life, you know. Yeah, had some kids down there. Yeah. Uh, uh, they're with me now in North Carolina. So well, that's good. That's yeah. a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, a really yeah. good thing. <laughs> so I, 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 I've seen you play country. Where did that come? Yeah, from? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I've always liked. Uh, Every style of music, that's another thing. I can tell yeah. that, yeah, I can. Um, so I like, um, I mean, everybody's impressed when they hear, like, uh, Brent Mason or some of these, yeah, like, hot yeah. country picker guys. Brad Paisley's really yeah, good. Yeah, you know? he is. 
Um, but uh, I guess it's, I got into the, the Telecaster guitar really before I got into the in the country music really. Yeah, uh, yeah the whole Telecaster yeah. thing. I mean, that, yeah. that's broad too. I mean, that's uh -huh. a subject in itself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mike Stern did a clinic when I was at AIM, the jazz guitar player, Mike Stern. Yeah, I, I know who he is. Which, in addition to being really what actually got me super into jazz, I forgot about that part. Uh, it also got me into the Telecaster because I started trying to copy Mike Stern a lot. And uh, and then I learned about Danny Gatton. Yeah. Uh, and um, all a bunch of hot kind of country guys. Yeah. And, the, and then um, I... Uh, I've always like dabbled in it here and there just because I think it's kind of neat. But then when I, after all this time in Atlanta, I moved to, uh, well, actually, let me say, so most of what I do, a lot of it is I wanted to make money and I had to right. I learn understand that. material yes. mm -hmm. for a funk band or a country band or a pop band or whatever. So I had to be able to make a living. Yeah. yeah. And I wanted to do it well. And uh, since I'm fortunate that I like those kinds of music, I was able to kind of dive into it. Um, but the really getting into country uh, was when I moved back here. I got involved with a cat named uh, Jonathan Robson, who goes by Pistol Hill. And I played, he was my first gig after I moved back to North Carolina. And I played with him for a few years, or at least a year. But uh, I got really into traditional country music through playing yeah, with him. Yeah. And got really into Roy Nichols. Yeah, Roy Nichols. Um, Great. And, uh, uh, uh I can't believe his name's escaped me. Uh, Buck Owens and uh, oh, it's, um, his guitar player. Yeah, I know. Don Rich. <laughs> Don Rich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got real into those guys and a lot of honky-tonk kind of music. Yeah. And um, less uh, pyrotechnics in that kind of music, but more, I don't know, a little more funky kind of thing. Yeah. You know, so I'm, yeah. I, I got into them. Uh, and I just, I don't know, I just like that sound. That's just another... I don't really have a specialty. Well, now, okay, while we're on the subject of yeah. Telecasters, um, I see that your choice of instruments is different than anyone I know around here. Elaborate on, on your choices of uh, guitars that you play. Oh, well, I play, my Telecasters are made by a guy named Brody Cobb. Okay, that's and, where I was going Yeah, 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 yeah. They're made by a guy named Brody Cobb, and uh, who's one of my best friends in the whole world, uh, who lives in Georgia, in Richland, Georgia, below Columbus, and... Uh, he promised me that the first one he made, he'd give it to me, you know. So, um, I mean, don't tell him I told you that. <laughs> but but um, I got that one from him and, and um, really loved it, you know, and played hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of gigs on it. And uh, he recently built me another one that I've had for a couple years. Um, and I just love it, you know. And uh, he's an excellent guitar builder. They sound really good. What, yeah. do, you, what do you run in those three? What oh, is your go-to amp? Okay, um, well, I was playing... Um, I saw you with like a Vox AC-30. Yeah, AC-15, AC yeah. Um, I'm not playing that much these days. I mostly... I've had a Roland Cube 60 that yeah. I've played since, yeah. I don't know, 20 years now. Yeah. I've had it. Those and are fine amps, too. Yeah. And Great jazz amp, too. Yeah, it is. It. And that's mostly what I play now. Uh, as a, Really, the last three or four months, I've been playing through that again almost exclusively. Um, I went through a couple years of just plugging straight into the amp and um, doing everything with my fingers and right. the knobs of the guitar, turning the amp up real loud. And that's what I do with the Roland still. Like it's a, it reacts to your playing the way a tube amp would, right. which is really important to me that uh, uh, 
that I don't need any pedals or anything. So, uh, you know, I, uh, yeah, I was going, I, I, mm -hmm. I haven't seen you with pedals and I was just wondering, you know, I, I, I am using I some it. now. Okay. Yeah. I have five <laughs> oh, oh, for, for a guitarist. Five is yeah, small. It's, it's very minimal. Yeah. And, and, and I don't care if I have them or not. I mean, um, I just, uh, I like, uh, a little bit. I mean, really what I use is, is just to make it more, that much more tube amp like oh. really, um, I do use a delay pedal. I have two delay pedals I use, you know, for one for a real short echo that's on all the time, and then one for a long one, you know. And an overdrive pedal, which I pretty much leave on all the time. And uh, I have a, a fuzz pedal that I use here and there, and then I have a phaser pedal. Oh, yeah, fuzz pedals. I, I'm a fuzz uh, pedal connoisseur. Yeah, yeah. I'll pick them up. I just love them. I, oh, I love them. So, I love that sound. That's isn't a it? good sound. I love it so much, and I need another one. Uh, but I, you know, sometimes I don't use them, and you know, I don't have to have them. I just, it's nice to have some different colors sometimes. Well, tell me what you're doing now. Mm -hmm. You know, who, what you're playing with, who you're with now. Uh, well, I have my trio, the Derek McCoy trio. Um, I, uh, we play all the time, all over the place, uh, especially in the Henderson County, Cleveland County areas. Um, pretty much every weekend. Uh, I also play solo guitar somewhere all the time, you know, yeah. um, just jazz guitar, uh, sort of like Joe Pass type right. stuff. Yeah. That's cool. Um, and I'm also playing with Scott Moss and the $100 Handshakes, which is my thing I'm really into right now. Um, he's a good songwriter and it's, uh, lets me do my thing you know it's really cool and I really enjoy he plays guitar too which is real fun being in a two guitar band yeah and just getting to play rhythm guitar a lot instead of having to play five minute solos on every song yeah, yeah I mean. um I'm real proud of that uh we just got a record that just came out everywhere yesterday on June 25th yeah and uh I don't know when that'll be when this comes out but. yeah uh it'll be out already <laughs> yeah yeah uh so where did you find yourself, your jazz trio of people from? I mean, that's hard to find here. Yeah. Um, I just kind of look for the best drummer around here, and I think that's probably Nikhail Wallace. Yeah, it probably is. Yeah. <laughs> he's, a, he's a fine drummer. Yeah. And um, he just happened to be teaching upstairs at the Shelby Music Center. Oh, yeah. You teach, too. Also. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I teach every Saturday at the Shelby Music okay. Center. There you go. Where I also grew up. You know, I learned how to change strings at the Shelby Music Center when I was a little kid. <laughs> And um, I've gone there my whole entire life. And uh, I, uh, he was upstairs there, and I heard him and thought he sounded good. So we he, started playing he together. very good. Yes, he's very good. And we both were looking for something where we could really play, you know, and take right. solos and do whatever we wanted. And we decided that this band, we would do whatever we felt like doing. And if we wanted to play a Johnny Cash tune or a jazz tune or a or Black Sabbath, we would just do them all one next to the other. If we and I've kind of seen them do that, and yeah. they do. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the bass player is Tim Winter. He lives in Saluda, North Carolina. and He's a fine bass player. Yeah, he is. I, and I got his name from um, another bass player I was playing with. Uh, it subbed him out, and we did a duo gig together one time, and that's, that's it. That's history. So yeah. we've done a whole lot of gigs. We've rehearsed three times together. <laughs> in the last uh, two years or a year and a half, <laughs> I, I think people that aren't musicians, a lot of times probably think that uh, musicians and bands practice way more than what they do. Yeah, we don't. We don't. No. 
But um, our music's highly improvisational it anyway. Is. So yes, it is. That's something you can't really practice so necessarily. So uh, it all works out. And, and we're at a level where we can just kind of learn the stuff at home and it all falls into place on the gig, you know. <laughs> That's good. Uh, it's, I, I appreciate you taking the time yeah. to come to do this. I know that there's a lot of people out there who listen to you that wonder just how did he get that good? Oh. How did that happen? Just and uh, basically it comes down to a lot of hard work. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's a great guy beside being a great musician. Uh, go out and see, see him anywhere you can. He is around a lot. Catch his trio. Catch him with Scott Moss and $100 Handshakes. If you want him to learn to play, uh, he'll point you in the right direction. He'll help you. I will. Whether you'll be able to get to where he is is debatable. For a reasonable price. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not free. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> man has to make a living here. Uh, but I do appreciate you coming down. It was a long drive for you, and uh, it's, been a, it's been a pleasure having you here. Absolutely. Thank you. A little more Derek McCoy for you.